The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jones and Brown. Both of you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. Alright, welcome to another edition of Jonesy and Brown. That is that is Mike Jones over there. We're on Facebook Live, so I always gotta make sure that I'm pointing in the right direction. But my partner Mike Jones is there. What's going on, Mike? Oh man, I'm good, man. How you been? How I've been alright, man. Doing? Look. That Eagles loss was a killer. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in in a second. Wanted to start the show off real quick, though, before we, we get into it. One time for Joe Morgan, one time for the late, great Joe Morgan, one of the greatest second basemen to ever play the game, passed away on Monday. Grace and peace and prayers to his family, friends, loved ones, one of the all-time greats. Now, granted, uh, his playing career was long before, you know, I came along and really was old enough to know and understand baseball. I know him more as a baseball announcer, a ba- you know, a color a color commentator. But for me, honestly, that like watching Joe Morgan play on Sunday night base, watching him do Sunday night baseball, that helped for me. That helped dispel the the rumors or you know the stereotype that black people did not like baseball. Black people did not know baseball because one of the smartest baseball minds I knew was on TV mm-hmm. talking baseball every week. So I just wanted to start the show off with a shout out and just, you know, a mention of the late great Joe Morgan. Uh, well said. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Now look, man, uh championship was decided this week, man. The uh, mm-hmm. Los Angeles Lakers winning their 17th championship. Championship number one. Num- 17. No, number 17. Number one for LeBron with the Lakers. Number four all, you know, all together. He has now won a champ. Two, he's won championships in both conferences. And has won a championship for every team that he has played for. He has played for three organizations. He has won a championship for all of them. Jonesy, I, I you know, we'll, we'll talk more about the game itself, but I wanted to get mm-hmm. your opinion on this because you know the climate of sports talk and sports conversation today. You know what anything that involves LeBron James, you know what that does. You know the type of conversation that invokes. Mm-hmm. You know I this. I, I understand. I get it. So, you know, look, we can't afford to, to you know, there, there are times when we try to present ourselves as being a little bit smarter than, you know, too smart to, 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 to fall into certain pitfalls and traps. 
But then other times I feel like, you know, sometimes you, you, you just got to jump right in it. <laughs> sometimes, but mm-hmm. I, I, there are a couple people that could get me sucked into certain conversations. Yes, yes. I, I, I take pride. Two people that can do it. I, I take pride in, in, in believing that I'm one of them. But generally, I'll, I'm, I'm pretty good at avoiding it. Okay. I just... You know, keep caught, keep scrolling. Or, mm-hmm. What's next? I'm nope, I'm not getting not not getting it. So so I, let me, so. And I did a good job of that today. I stayed out of it for the most part. I I will say this, and I, I feel like every now and then, when you and I do a show, we have to make certain concessions. And there's a concession that I, I need to make because I made a point. Uh, I, I believed a point that has now turned out to be wrong. What was that? Uh, I said, I, and I believed when LeBron James was a free agent <laughs> and he signed his contract with the Lakers, and, you know, there were a couple of teams that were floating around as in, you know, who could, where, you know, where could he go? What, you know, mm-hmm. I believe that LeBron James would have had a better chance of getting to a championship if he had signed with the Philadelphia 76ers. That was wrong. I was wrong. JB, time out. I'm gonna stop you right there. Okay. Before you jump out, before you jump out the window, mm-hmm. because at the time, as the rosters were constructed, mm-hmm. that was true. That Lakers team didn't make the playoffs. You made that statement prior to Anthony Davis demanding a trade, mm-hmm. signing with Clutch. That was before Anthony Davis signed with Clutch Sports, and we realized what was about to happen. Mm-hmm. So without having that knowledge, what you said was a fair statement. Now, once Anthony Davis decides he's going to sign with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports, that mm-hmm. changed That The entire landscape shifted at that point because short of Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis is really the perfect teammate for LeBron. Mm-hmm can run the floor, good hands, athletic. He can protect the rim, but he doesn't necessarily have to play in the post offensively. Like when Kevin Love was moved or Chris Bosh were moved away from the post, they had to learn how to be become mid-range to outside players. Anthony Davis spent most of his developmental years as a guard before a late growth spurt. Mm-hmm. He likes playing out there. So while he's able to dominate in the, in the paint because of his physical gifts, he has a skill set that still allows him to play like a wing, hit game-winning threes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, short of Kevin short of Kevin Durant, look, Anthony Davis is the perfect teammate for LeBron. Protect the rim, control the paint on d- defensively, but doesn't clog the lane on offense. It, that, yeah. So without knowing Anthony Davis wants to go to LA, that's a that once that happens, yeah, then you're you could say LA is more likely to win a championship than the Sixers. So, if, do you, now you remember these conversations that that we were having about? But you do. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But you still have to believe that if at that point LeBron had came to play with Ben Simmons and Joel and B, he could have got them to a championship too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess like, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. it wouldn't have took the major reconstruction that LA had to go through. But even with that reconstruction, the LA did. And they were able to flip that roster. They were able to trade some young pieces, get a veteran, you know, get use that those young pieces. They traded Ingram, they traded uh, Lonzo, uh, Josh Hart, and more to bring in AD. And then they surrounded him with with veterans. Like it, the fact that LeBron was able to help bring that all together and and. In one year. And not only get to a championship, but win a championship. What does that do to his what does that do to your view of his legacy? We're not we're we're not gonna do the GOAT thing. We'll leave the GOAT conversation for other people. But I do want to talk about because I feel like at thirty seven years old, at seventeen years in the league, four champions what did I say? 37. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, excuse me. 17 years in the league, 35 years old. I do think Mm -hmm. the the legacy conversation is a fair one. The goat conversation, eh, you know, you you know, nobody's ever going to agree. But what does this do to his legacy? The job, you know, the job he was able to do here. For me, nothing. Okay. But I. I say that out of respect mm. because for me, he's already established himself as the one of the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Let's not get into the GOAT conversation, but if you want to say top five, whatever, to, like he's up there, the elite of the elite in NBA mm-hmm. history. He's established that already. This just kind of was like, yeah, okay, see, here's more proof. But it didn't do anything to... I mean, of course, another championship is going to magnify, enhance it. It's It has no choice but to do that. But it, in my mind, it doesn't make me think of LeBron as a greater player than I thought of him before. Agreed. But, Agreed. You know? You, like, I unless guess, you're genuinely a LeBron hater. And there are plenty of those. Had him, you, you probably had him top two, top three all time. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really get much better than that because that argument's always going to be what it is. You believe in that player. But if you respect the guy enough to say he's top two, top three, you realize who he is. I always tell people, like, if when you do actually want to have the GOAT conversation, what you end up having to do, if you're going to have a real basketball conversation, is nitpick. You're looking at little stuff in their game mm-hmm. because you realize we're talking about all-time greats. You know, people who have it all in their game, they can get you multiple ways. They can, you know, they can dominate a game on both ends of the court. If yeah. we're talking about that. And I feel like, you know, and, and these are conversations that you and I have had. You know, we talk about, uh, you know, we, we've talked about Kobe's game and we've talked about Jordan's game, specifically Jordan's game in the sense that, you know, we, we have said that Jordan, Jordan had no flaw. Jordan's game was flawless. Mm-hmm. And LeBron, unfortunately, just, you know, not so much. LeBron's a, LeBron is a great player. LeBron might There's be one of the greatest. But there there are flaws. 
couple minor flaws. A point was made when somebody uh in in one of these goat conversations or whatever that I kind of, that that kind of stuck out to me. And they said part of what makes LeBron great is the fact that he does where whereas Jordan was able to do so much with a game that was flawless. LeBron being able to do what he has done with those flaws in his game. You know, there you you know and and I understand that it's easier said than done. You know, you and I could sit down over a couple of drinks, watch a Lakers game, watch LeBron play and say, hey, you know, that's a problem. You know, that's something he needs to work on. There, you know, there's a flaw in his game. We can do that from the couch in our crib. But, you know, you it's easier said than done. If you were to put me on a basketball court with LeBron and then say, okay, exploit his flaws, I would fail. I don't think there's a word to express how miserably it would, you know, it would turn out for me. But but you're not an NBA player. Mm-hmm. No one's asking you to do that. Yeah, but when I'm, I'm just saying that it's like, it's no, easier but, said than done. But it's easier said than done by, all right, let, let's look at it this way. Mm-hmm. The way I see it, LeBron is the most physically gifted basketball player the NBA has ever seen. Like, no questions asked. He can Mm -hmm. physically do things that no one else ever has been able to do. Like, Mm -hmm. at his side, his, his weight to be able to move as well as he did, as quickly as he did, yeah, never seen anything like it. But if you're talking about basketball skill, that's where the conversation shifts the other way. I, I don't want to have this conversation, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. <laughs> we we could do this, uh-huh. but no, I, I I completely completely understand, and I guess um, but, but I don't. Yeah, this isn't the day for that. The LeBron showed he's still currently the best player of this era. Yes, Let, let's talk about that right now. Okay, Jimmy Which... Butler, Jimmy Butler, he put up a good fight. Yes, he. he He's an alpha level competitor, but he, if you have to put up thirty five plus in a triple double to win, that's too much to ask of anybody. Mm-hmm. And I, two I, games, the Heat won. He had thirty five plus, ten plus rebounds, ten plus assists. And we talked about it last week. You know, teams play like their best player, mm-hmm. and you see what. Jimmy Butler was able to do with this Miami Heat team. I mean, he got the, you know, he willed them to get to his le- his level. And I think they were quite you knew Jimmy Butler was a good player. You knew Jimmy but you know that that was you know without question. I don't think anyone doubted that Jimmy Butler was a good player. You know, I'm not quite sure if people put him in that upper echelon conversation with the LeBrons, with the Stephs, with the Kai. Oh, it's not, ooh, ooh, excuse me. I was going to say, I meant to say Kevin. I wasn't going to say Kyrie. 
I want to go with the KDs. Yeah, I was going to with the KDs. That was a, that, you know that was a slip of the tongue, but people weren't putting people weren't putting Jimmy in that conversation. But this play, you know, this playoff run, he played like he was in this conversation. He played like he belonged in the conversation with the Kawhis and the LeBrons and the Stephs and the KDs, and, you know, on that level. He played like that, and he willed his team to get to his level. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at Duncan was what Duncan was able to do. You look what Hero was able to do. You know, Bam, I uh. Bam's good. He's a good guy. But, you know, he definitely, you know, he everyone on that Miami Heat team stepped their game up. Yeah, How, absolutely. However, you know, the Lakers were a team. They played above what we thought their ceiling was. Yes. That's for sure. The, the Lakers were a team built for a championship, though. And in the end, they played like a team built for a championship. And I think they just, you know, they wore Miami down. I think, you know, you and I had both said, we had we had both predicted Lakers in six. Mm-hmm. And I think game three did not necessarily, well, I, w- I will put it to you like this. I felt like as much as people wanted to act as if, the two Miami wins suggested that maybe it would be a different outcome. I think, uh, you know, shout out to your boy uh, Sullivan. Shout out to Sullivan Phillips, who we had on the show last week. When he mm-hmm. talked about what what Miami had to do to win that first game, to win game three, you're looking at, you know, you know they had to pull out all the stops and – the Lakers had to, you know, Lakers had to not be on. You look at the four games that the Lakers won, the Lakers was on. Mm-hmm. And Miami just couldn't stop it. You know? Um, LeBron's a tough animal to stop. No, so exactly. Anthony Davis is a tough beast to stop. When you get, when Rondo, Kuzma, any of the Danny mm-hmm. Green, KCP, if any of these other guys give them a third option for the game. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. With the way that team was built, it didn't have to be any one guy as the third option. There were multiple guys who yeah. were able to step into that role and be the third guy for the night. Depends on who has the hot hand. That being said, I do think as far as, all right, I think there was a talent gap between the Lakers and the Heat that was significant enough where if the Lakers had lost this series, it might have been remembered as worse than losing to Dallas. Mm. Like, there was a talent gap in this series. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, look. We are going to talk a little bit more about this series in a second. We're going to bring in, Ant- we're going to bring in Anthony Gilbert because he's a he's a mind that we we respect. I hadn't talked to him in a while, so we're going to bring him into this conversation. 
after this real quick break, you are listening and watching the Jonesy and Brown Show on Best in the World Sports and Lance J Radio. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. Councilmember Isaiah Thomas, and I'm here with an important reminder for the citizens of Philadelphia. Please remember to do your part to stop the spread and stay home. Only leave the house when it's absolutely necessary, and when you do leave the house, please remember to practice social distancing. Again, we need everybody to do their part to stop the spread. Now, I'm going to pass it off to Philadelphia basketball legend, Aaron McKee. Hey Philly, it's Aaron McKee, head coach of Temple Isles men's basketball team, former 76er and graduate of Simon Gratz High School. The coronavirus is not playing. We have to stop the spread of COVID-19 to protect everybody. Even though the weather is getting nicer, we have to keep six feet of social distance from one another. If you have to go out, wear a mask. It's called being a good teammate to one another. We could do this, Philly. Let's stop the spread. If you are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams, go to TotalSportsLive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know TotalSportsLive.com. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Both you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. Right, we are back on Jonesy and Brown. Remember, you can hit us up anywhere. Social media, Jonesy and Brown. That's it. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Jonesy and Brown. Three words, one handle. Talk to us. We'll talk back. All right. It, it's you know we, we ain't got that big of a following that we can just turn people, we can just turn people away. All right. Look, we're continuing our conversation on the Lakers uh, winning a championship. We want to bring in. From NBA.com, from Hoops Magazine, ladies and gentlemen, the great Anthony Gilbert is on the line with us. What's going on, A.G.? All right, John, what's going on, brother? Jonesy, what's going on? And uh, I got oh, some news. Good. You got, I new- got oh, news. Whoa, 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 whoa. We got breaking news? Yeah. What's- well, not breaking news, but um, I got good news. Okay. I'm actually, um, I'm back at Slam Magazine. What? Yeah. Oh, nice. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so now I still do, I still will be writing with hoop and NBA.com, but not as much as I was. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm I'm back in the saddle of the of the oh, slam okay. magazine. Okay. Feels good. Let me pull out the pen to make sure because I need to get this man's accreditations <laughs> and 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 I need to get this man's bio line right. Slam magazine. I appreciate it, man. I got a huge, a huge. First feature coming out oh, shortly. You, you oh guys boy. will be very happy. Slam okay. Magazine, NBA.com, and Hoops Magazine. This dude is always working. All right. Yeah. 
Well, look, let's get into it. We now have an NBA champion. It is yeah. the, you know, it, it it's crazy that we are talking about the end of the basketball season in the middle of October. That right. that's that's the crazy part because I feel like I should. I, it, it's crazy because you know you know we're all on Facebook and we all see our Facebook memories. So all my Facebook memories around this time is me getting ready for basketball season. <laughs> like, oh man, and, you know, and, and I feel like I've now been on Facebook long enough, whereas I've seen the full gamut, you know, from, all right, I can't wait to see what, you know, I can't wait for Andrew Bynum to come back and what, oh, you know, man. Sixers are going to be good to, oh my God, who is Christian Wood? You know, it's it's been all of that, but now we're talking about the end of a season. Lakers are the champions. You know, you know. I guess let, let's. I mean, let's let's jump into it. What were your thoughts on the game? What were your thoughts on the season? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I'll say, John, you're really good at what you do because you mentioning Andrew Bynum, Christian Wood. <laughs> that's going just going press Jones's buttons, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's he that's tries that. every week. That, yeah, that that's he tries every week. Trying to try not to jump in. He's trying to be respectful of your time. <laughs> <laughs> I live to press. I, I live to press Jonesy's buttons. That's that's just what it is. I, I that's, he's like my brother, you know. And that, that's all I that's all I ever want to do. Absolutely. So I'll say this. Um, early on, for me, uh, I was saying that the Lakers were the clear-cut favorite. Uh, I was saying this as early as probably like December, January, especially when I saw them in person uh, for the first time in January. Um, I was just like, you know what? They got too many weapons. And right at the beginning of the season, so last year this time in preseason, uh, Phil Handy, assistant coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, and he told me, he was like, hey, look, I almost went to the Clippers. Hmm. He was like, but I chose the Lakers. I just think they have what it takes to win now. He was just coming off a championship as an assistant coach with Toronto. So um, I took him at his word. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this feather in my cap and I'm going to use it. And then uh, I had a chance to see him and they passed the eye test. And I was like, man, they're going to be tough. And then they started rolling right before – the stay-at-home order, you know, the, the quarantine. So um, I'm thankful that they were able to pick it back up and actually um, win this year. It's just a great story. The only thing that would have made it better would have been if the Celtics were in it. Mm. You know, so that mm. that's my opinion. Uh, but I saw, I saw a different LeBron uh, this year. LeBron had been when he was in Cleveland and when he was in Miami, he was a little wound up tight. And, you know, this year, you know, having Anthony Davis, which is a huge ace card in your, uh, in your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was super loose. He greeted me by name, which he hasn't done in a while. He's kind of been leery of the media. But he was like, hey, Ant, what's going on, man? You know, he had just passed uh, Kobe on the all-time scoring list. He was feeling good. And I was like, man, they 
they have what it takes to win it all. Um, so, you know, because of the way this year has been, uh, it, it's a success story to see them uh, walk into their destiny and, and take number 17. Now, I was actually one who had anywhere Okay. Kind of up. You know, I stuck with my pick, even though I kind of saw how they weren't playing the way they needed to once they got to the bubble. Mm-hmm. They they seemed like it was they were kind of disinterested in being there. But LeBron was able to keep and I, I guess I don't want to give LeBron all the credit because the guys had to be able to do it. The coaching staff, everybody's a team effort, but they were able to keep themselves focused on the task and get the job done what kind of different challenge was it for players being in that bubble for that long yeah uh, that's a great question I, I think for starters we got to we got to go behind the scenes and it's all the things we don't see in terms of like being on these grounds on the on the Disney grounds and not being able to see your family for a couple of months you know, until that window opened Mm up. Um, Just getting used to the whole testing and, you know, being sequestered, you know, it was almost as if it was the OJ trial and they were, you know, (laughs) and they were the jury. Um, But it was just that, that right there was from what everybody I've spoken to, they're like, man, it, that's tough. You know, going to practice and playing the games, like that's the easy part. Um, because everyone said it was kind of like basketball camp or AAU tournament, you know. So once it got down to the actual X's and O's, that was easy, you know. But dealing with the pandemic and staying safe and wearing your mask and routine checkups and testing and, you know, being away from, you know, your family and friends, that was the hard part, Um and and I'm I'm glad, you know, everybody was saying that the best thing was out of this whole situation was that, you know, they had zero positive cases and only one guy mm-hmm. got caught cheating with his cheating on his wife, you know? And and he got sent home. <laughs> so I, I I thought he got a raw deal in terms of how that news was broadcast. I thought the NBA should have said you know, he's no longer with the team because of, you know, behavior mm-hmm. detrimental. Personal to, reasons or something. Yeah, yeah, or behavior detrimental to the franchise or to the, or to the club. But they were like, mm-hmm. no, nah, he actually got caught with somebody in his room. Like, whoa. <laughs> they went into specifics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. But I think they did that to send a message. Like, mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. none of y'all, none of the rest of y'all better get cute. Hey, we'll, we'll put you on blast for this one. Yeah, Cause it's, cause it's essentially you are putting the whole operation at risk. So I, I was just about to say the same thing. I do think they were trying to send a message in doing that. Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, they send a message, all right, directly <laughs> mm-hmm. to uh, her divorce lawyer. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, honestly, you know, when when, when you look at what, what went into – the restart of the season, the climate of the season, you know, and you look at the social issues that they chose to tackle. Mm-hmm. 
you know, what something like this could have meant. You know, it, it could have, it honestly could have derailed everything because you know the, the criticism that the players are, that they face from people who don't share their views or or feel like those types of stances don't belong in sports. Yeah. It's like you're giving them, you know, you're, you're giving them, you know, a whole spool of rope to hang you from, you know. So yeah. I think they had, you know, ideally. You, you hope that they don't embarrass somebody, you know, like, yeah, you know, they, they didn't have to put, they didn't have to put homies whole business out there like that. <laughs> but, but also there's a lot at stake. Yeah. You know, there, there's definitely a lot of stake, especially, you know, if the story don't go the way you want it to go, you know, there, there's so many ways that could have gone left. Yeah. Well, we also got to follow the, we got to follow the money. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of money mm-hmm. involved. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, man, we are not going to let you or anybody yeah, else definitely, definitely. ruin this thing. You know, um, one of the persons I spoke to throughout this whole time was Dwight Howard. Mm. And um, I'm extremely happy for him. He went into the bubble. Uh, bad personal news. One of his children's mother passed Mm. Mm. you know he went to the bubble with a heavy heart and uh i'm just glad to see him respond he played really well in that denver series and um you know he's he's had a bad he's had a bad rap post orlando and it's just it's Mm. nice to see somebody like him who was an nba like media darling um you know he went through his trials and tribulations and now he's an NBA champion, you know, and, and, and will be a Hall of Famer. Now, from the outside looking in, now that you mentioned a guy like Dwight Howard, it seems to me like he's a guy who from his first time in Orlando or even his first time in Orla- LA mm-hmm. has, I don't want to use the word allowed himself to be humble, but has matured a lot. No, to I a think- point where I th- I think you could say that because, like, I mean, I think you got a point. I mean, you got to look at people like him. You got to look at people like Carmelo Anthony. Um, mm-hmm. These are all stars, you know? And and these are guys that that sold tickets, you know, in, mm-hmm. in other arenas. Like, hey, Carmelo Anthony and the Denver Nuggets will be playing. You know, get your tickets, you know? And, um mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, you're right, man. There, there is a adjustment period. There is a a part where you got to humble yourself. And I talked to him about that. I was like, man, like you know, cats. Some those of us that know will say Dwight Howard was a Hall of Fame championship or not. Mm-hmm. You know, now Jonesy, I know you like to stir the pot a little bit. <laughs> you, you might disagree with that statement, mm-hmm. and it's okay because I I, no. I I know. I, I know. I know you like to disagree. But I, I, no, actually, I, like I, I was that. high on Dwight. Mm-hmm. I just feel like mentally he wasn't ready to win at mm-hmm. in earlier stages of his career. And, and that's kind of what I was looking at more. Like, he seemed to be willing to accept whatever role he had to play to win mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Whereas opposed to that first trip to Orlando, he needed the offense to run through him when the team may have been suited to do other things or 
Orlando, why am I not, not Orlando, LA the first time I run things through me, seem like he wanted, the problem is he wants more touches versus just going out there doing whatever the team needs you to do to win. Yeah. So and, for and me, that's, that's hard to do, especially if you've always been the guy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's extremely hard. And then the first time he was in LA, he was, he was injured. He really shouldn't even mm-hmm. played when that season started. But he did, and then, of course, you know, you're dealing with a back injury. What happens? It gets worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah, especially at his size. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's a big guy. And and, and don't, mm-hmm. don't – I don't want to sound like I'm taking everybody's back. I just try to look at it like like you, like you guys would. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think Carmelo's a great example of, like, hey, this guy was able to get a, another shot, and – it worked. It worked in everybody's favor. I think Portland was a great team for him, and and they definitely needed him because they were they were decimated by injuries. You know, everybody was going down on that squad. Mm-hmm. You know, they they had a a great um, wing with Rodney Hood, but then like he got hurt and was out for the season, and they were like, well, <laughs> let's see what Carmelo Anthony's doing. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, um, but yeah, the, the bubble was interesting, but I thought it was a great style of play, and I loved how games were on in the afternoon. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love and then on that. another channel is a WNBA game. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was great. <laughs> I I, it, I feel like I, I've always felt like that's that's probably the the best thing in, in about March Madness. And not even just March Madness. I'm talking about the conference tournaments leading up to the NCAA tournament. I love weekday afternoon basketball. You yeah. know, I, I felt like that was that you know that that's un- untapped potential right there. You know, mm-hmm. wh- whether it be uh, the uh, the matinee games on Martin Luther King Day, whether it was uh, ESPN's uh, 24 hours of college basketball when they just go for 24 straight hours of uh, of nothing but college basketball. I loved being able to wake up at 6 in the morning and watch Iona versus uh, Ryder College, you know, something like that. <laughs> you know? Well, that's true because you, you would get every conference. You would mm-hmm. get the MEAC, the Atlantic 10, mm-hmm. Pac-12. Big South. Big 12. It, it didn't matter. <laughs> it, it didn't matter. It, you know, that I, I, I love that. You know, and 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 I, it, it was entertaining. I thought it was it was great basketball. Uh, some, yeah. you know, something that we had talked about about when it comes to bubble basketball is, you know, as you take away the crowds of the game, you know, you take away the crowd, you take away that aspect. You got players just balling. You don't have to worry about you know hearing it from the crowd. You don't got you don't you don't have to hear you know worry about. You know, enemy territory. You all you have to do is come out there, suit up, and you just gotta hoop. Right. See and, that now, see John. That's a great point because everything was stripped away, and that that actually worked to the advantage of the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All they had to younger do, guys. Yeah. All they had to do is just go out there and hoop, right? Mm-hmm. But like, if Miami had to fly to Boston, you know what I'm saying? They might have lost that game. Mm-hmm. You know, they might have lost game one and two, but they won game one and two because it was neutral ground. So, yeah, like the bubble mm-hmm. was perfect for somebody like Jimmy Buckets. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope the Sixers brass 
watched intently because, like, mm. Jimmy left unhappy. Two reasons why. The first reason is because he didn't feel like Brett Brown was the, the coach for him. Mm. You know, there was no accountability. There was no disciplinarian. Like, he didn't feel like mm-hmm. Brett Brown had a hold of the team. So he was like, all right. And then he also got word that the that the you know the front office was like, hey, if we give him the max and we resign him, we gotta make sure like we get a you know we get a handle on this guy. We don't want him acting crazy. Mm-hmm. He was like, what? <laughs> I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm just I just love to win. You know what? I'm out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hey, God bless that brother. He got his money and the Eastern Conference Championship. <laughs> So do you feel do, do you agree with the sentiment that this was kind of like vindication because you know you know that Jimmy had he had a history kind of wore out his welcome in Chicago wore out his welcome in Minnesota wore out his welcome in Philly and then he comes to Miami whole different situation and then takes that and takes that team to a champ you know to a championship and went yeah. and, and wins two mm-hmm. games is that vindication for him but I think so because like so so Jimmy's the type of guy like he's he's a eighties, nineties type basketball player. Mm. So mm. he wants the discipline, he wants the rigidity, he wants the, the physicality. That's what he wants. So he don't belong in this whole like kumbaya, um, you know, let's hold hands in the locker room. Like he doesn't <laughs> he's a sore thumb. And Pat Pat Riley runs the Heat as if it was, you know, the 1980s or, or the no. 90s. And like he's still dealing with the Lakers and Showtime. Right. Yeah, or the Knicks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like Jimmy Butler was like, "Yep, this is I'm home, and I'm on South Beach. Yep. Oh wait, <laughs> and you're going to pay me the max? Yep, I'm home." <laughs> mm-hmm. And getting paid the max in Florida is different than getting paid the oh, max yeah. in most other places. Yeah, that max it is different down there. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's vindication for sure. And Jimmy gets the last laugh because anybody who's who has eyes, you know, and ears and, and has can sense and knows something about the game can say, you know what? Philly needs shooters. They've always need shooters. Mm-hmm. Jimmy is not only a shooter, he's a closer. And and even J.J. Reddick. J.J. Reddick recently mm-hmm. fired off and was like, hey, Philly, you know what? You kind of kind of messed up this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. definitely. I, I, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, hey, there's a lot, a lot of lessons being learned out that bubble. So, all in all, you feel like the bubble was a success, though? Oh, for sure. I mean, from a from a health wise and from a marketing standpoint, like look what base look what look what happened in baseball. Baseball was on thin ice for a second. You know? Mm-hmm. They looked like they was about to cancel this season. The NFL was postponing games left and right. The NBA is the gold standard. And um, you know, I'm thankful, man, because at first I didn't feel like I needed that distraction. I was a little upset by the climate of uh you know, the country and, and, and the injustice. Mm-hmm. And then I also was kind of like, you know, looking at COVID-19 and I was just, the NBA and the WNBA came in, they gave us a great product and it didn't, uh, 
it didn't take me away from what was important in my life. Definitely. It was just enough where I could get some entertainment and then go back to my what I all all the other heavy things I'm dealing with. (laughs) So Um, I do have one question for you, real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, about the other LA team. Ooh, because I'm I'm hearing a lot of reckless speculation and trade talk, but I don't know what's credible, what's not. Have you heard anything about what's happening with this? So, right after they lost, um, I had a conversation with um, Michael Lee. Uh, He just went back to the uh, Washington Post, so he was with the athletic. Now he's, uh, we're all moving around, man. (laughs) So now he's Mm -hmm. at the Washington Post. He texts me and was like, look, there's guys on that Clippers team that hate each other. And I'm like, well, hate's a strong word, brother. He's like, I know. <laughs> um, there's some dysfunction in that locker room. And um, clearly they got rid of their, their coach. And they got to figure some things out. I think they have talent. Uh, I don't support that team. Uh, if, like, if I took my media hat off and I put a fan <laughs> mm-hmm. hat on, I think they belong in San Diego. Like, they don't need to be in Los Angeles. There's only one team in mm. Los Angeles. You know? I mean, you're playing mm-hmm. in the Lakers building, and now they got a 17th banner? Like, yeah, it's just a bad look, man. Like, they just <laughs> – and, and Steve Ballmer – Get out the shadow. Yeah. Well, Steve Ballmer bought the Great Western Forum. I don't think mm-hmm. that was a good idea. Because no. we are all old enough to know that that's Showtime Lakers. Mm-hmm. It's a house that magic built, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so you know the other LA team, they, 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 um, they're in, they have an identity crisis because they're in Los Angeles. They have some dissension within the ranks, and they're they're looking for a new coach. That's these are not good things. Now it doesn't mean that they can't turn it around. And Doc was the GM out there too, he wasn't was. he? Yeah. He was. Yeah, so it doesn't mean so, they so. can't turn it around cuz they can. But it's a, it the, the the climb is going to be even harder this year than than it was. I mean, well this upcoming year than it was this past year. So <laughs> I'm it, it, it's crazy because this probably could be best Clippers team we've seen. Like um, ever, ever, yeah. And you, <laughs> yeah. when you feel the, we're talking about this is the best team that they have fielded ever, and you, mm-hmm. and the season still ends with the team that you rent a building from hoisting another banner. Clippers going to clip, right? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? How how big of a poster are you going to get now to cover up that seventeenth banner? <laughs> it's horrible, man. It's 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 actually sad. That's mm-hmm. why I said they need they gotta go. Like back when Jelly Bean Bryant played for the Clippers, <laughs> they were in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Time, time to head back to San Diego. Yeah, it's time to start looking south, man. I understand. Yeah, they gotta go. Oh man, they they need a whole new process. <laughs> I want both of your opinions on this before we get out of here. You know, I let Jonesy answer first. Okay, I just wanted to get your thoughts on what they've been talking about with. I guess the 
the sagging ratings, the sagging t- TV ratings and what you thought that meant. To me, I felt like, one, you bring sports all you brought sports back as a whole, you know, together exactly. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I, where my thoughts go mm-hmm. first. NBA playoffs usually have happen at a time where the only other thing going on is early in the year baseball and hockey playoffs, which usually end a couple weeks before the NBA final, like mm-hmm. a week or two before the NBA finals mm-hmm. ends. So they have, a, you know, a, a stronghold on the viewing audience. Whereas this year you had baseball, hockey, basketball, all coming back at the same time and the NFL starting and, and playing games and during and some of the NBA finals football. games and, and college, college football. Yeah. So, so the viewing audience's attention in my, in my view was way more divided than it, it is during a normal NBA finals. That's yeah, the way I, I see it. I, I agree with both of you guys. Um, it was just way too crowded. Um, I still haven't watched the NFL game. I just, I just mm-hmm. haven't. Like, I'm really big into baseball. Um, mm-hmm. Rest in peace to Joe Morgan. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really big into basketball, men's and women's. And I just, my plate was full. My plate was full, and I hope the Astros lose. Um, but this <laughs> week, I'm looking forward to some football. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hope you ain't looking forward to some Eagles football, because that, that, that might not well, be. you know. You know, that might I mean, not be I'm the a, shake I'm a, this I'm weekend. At, I'm gonna look at them. I'm gonna look at the Ravens. See what the Seahawks are doing. I know the Seahawks are undefeated, um, but that's a bet. That's about it. And I also know the Raiders won. The La- the Las Vegas mm-hmm. Raiders got got on the board and and this. Yeah, they beat the that, Chiefs. That's, yeah. A, that's a rivalry. So I, I get. Yeah, that. divisional game. They got a big win. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, so now what are you going to do with your off season now? I, you know, now, now that basketball is over, and and it's crazy because basketball this year, like I said before, basketball is now over at the time when we would normally be getting ready to start basketball. Right. Is, All right. So we have college basketball coming up. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to see what Aaron McKee is mm-hmm. going to do with the Temple Owls. Yes, sir. Uh, Coach K. Definitely going to see what Duke is up to, and uh, you know this this will really give me a chance to see what the college kids are doing. Some of these incoming freshmen, um, I'll have mm-hmm. they'll have my full attention. Whereas normally I'm kind of like making phone calls, like yeah, who is this kid? Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm more focused on the NBA. Uh, so I'm looking forward to college basketball, and then I'm currently reading a book by Jerome Allen. Oh, okay, yeah. Called When the Alphabet Comes, um, talking about when he got indicted and went to federal prison, um, all while being an assistant coach for the Boston Celtics. It's a crazy story. Um, so I'm reading that, and I'm writing a review for Slam Magazine. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to do a lot of college basketball, and I'm going to try to drink deeply from good books. Okay. Okay. Sounds like a good off season. Yeah. 
All and right. who knows when when we'll be back, but I'll be ready. All right, I got I got my pa- I got my pad and paper because I wrote it all down, ladies and gentlemen. That is Anthony Gilbert from Slam Magazine, from NBA.com, from Hoops Magazine, all-time good guy, friend of the show, our homeboy from you know taking it all the way back to Breakfast on Broad, taking it all the way back to to the sports shop. Thank you yeah. for coming on with your boys, man. We appreciate that, man. Uh, anytime, man. Anytime, and, and next time, hopefully, I'll I'll be on video. Uh, the quarantine has been bad. Been bad for, for my hair, my beard, and my mustache. Oh, no. <laughs> bro, look, man. I I I'm I'm not gonna lie, man. You know, all right. I, I've I've I I'm now at, at, at I'm at one barber trip a month. You know, I, I, I trust I, I trust him I trust him for one trip a month, because you know I I've gone over it with, with with Jonesy and Jonesy has said you know he's like look he 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 can do his own hair. Okay. I I can't. I I I I, I cannot. You know, <laughs> if I, I I don't I don't even want to get into how bad it would look if I was out here doing my own hair. So I I understand. So I'm, you, you know, you. this is just one of the few times I've actually been able to do this show with a fresh cut. I got my hair cut on fr- uh, on Saturday. This is one of the there first, time, you know, one of the first times I've ever ever been able to do it. Cause, yeah, it it, it I've been on a struggle bus plenty of times. Yeah, well, I I appreciate you uh, acknowledging that. I'm glad mm-hmm. you got your fresh mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely appreciate y'all for having me on the show, man. Anytime, you know you, you know you got an open invitation. You know you can always come through, hang with your boys, man. Thank you, absolutely. I gotta come back when when that feature comes out. I'm I'm not talking about it because I just gotta wait till it comes out. But I think you guys are gonna like. Okay, yo, let let, please let us know. Absolutely, yeah, please let us know. You know you got an open invitation. You ain't you ain't got to knock. You just come on the show. We'll just open the show up and be like, oh snap. It's like, hey, G is here. Okay. Sounds good, brother. Thank you. All right. Ladies yep. and gentlemen, that's Anthony Gilbert. We will be back on Jonesy and Brown. You feel this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. I'm Brandon Graham from the Philadelphia Eagles. Every day during the COVID-19 pandemic, our frontline workers are out there serving us. Bus drivers and grocery clerks, sanitation workers, police, firefighters, and healthcare workers. They're taking care of us. Now let's take care of them. Wear a mask when you go outside. Protect yourself and protect others too. We can do this. Let's mask up Philly. Help stop the spread. If you are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams, go to TotalSportsLive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know TotalSportsLive.com.
The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jones and Brown. Both of you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. Hey, look, we touched on this at the very beginning of the show. You know, and we kind of glossed over it because we wanted to get into some better news. And we wanted to talk about the Lakers winning the championship. But you and I, once again, you know, we are based in the hometown of Philadelphia. And we have a football team. That football Mm -hmm. team played a game on Sunday. And they, they lost that game. You know, before we talk about our team, okay. before we talk about the Philadelphia team, okay. I want to say this. Mm-hmm. With all due hate to the Cowboys, yeah, oh, yeah, I know where you're going. I feel bad for Dak Prescott. I do, too. I do, too. And you and I talk. Especially yes. in a year where he's playing on the franchise tag with no real long-term security behind mm-hmm. it, you know. He's an approve it type year, mm-hmm. and for this to happen, I, you don't wish that on anybody. No, no, definitely. And you and I talk about the context of hate in sports, whereas mm-hmm. you know, you, sports hate is different from life hate. So yeah, exactly. You know, you know I can easily say, and with no regrets that I hate the Dallas Cowboys. I hate them. Mm -hmm. I always root against them. I never want them to win. That being said, I took no pleasure in seeing what happened to Dak Prescott at all. You know, that it it ain't cool. You know, you know, like you said, you just don't want to see that happen to anybody. And I'm saying, you know, con, you know, contract aside, money aside, because I think the money aspect is serious. And that is, you know, a discussion to be had because, you know, he's, you know, he was put in a position where he needed to bet on himself and he suffered a horrific injury. But none, you know, he, exactly. th- despite all that, oh, man, you don't you don't want to see that. You know, I, I I take no pleasure in that. That is that's something that just ain't cool to me. That's something that just definitely ain't cool to me. You know, I'm and and, and quite frankly, you know, just just as a man, you know, I I pray for him. I hope you know, I want to see him back on the field, getting pounded by the Eagles defense. Not exactly. necessarily. I want to see him losing games at full health. Exactly. I want to see him healthy again to lose to the Eagles in crucial games when the season is on the line. I, I, I need, you know, that's what I need. Get mm-hmm. well soon exactly. so you can blow games for the Cowboys, Dak. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, I I do wish you the best. I don't want to see, I don't want to see what happened to you on Sunday. I want to see what happened to you last season when y'all played the Eagles. Exactly. You know, it, it, now, with that being said, yeah, yeah. let's talk about those before mentioned Eagles. Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to be honest. Okay. They Please actually be did better than I was expecting going into that game. It was a close game. A close game that they actually had chances to win. 
there were opportunities mm-hmm. for the Eagles you're to down, win that game. You're down two with the ball and driving on your side of the field. They were so able to. They were you can't able say to, you didn't yeah, have an opportunity. They were able to force a key turnover that flipped mm-hmm. the field, gave them okay field position, and a chance to win the game. That's all you could ask for. Yeah. So, and 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 honestly, I feel like you you know Philly. You know, no matter. JP, what. can I? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I have a question I want to ask you, but go ahead. Okay. You you know Finish this your point. You know this town. You know no matter what goes on on that field, you know who is going to get 95% of the blame. But I mean, I I th- honestly I feel like over the last 3 weeks, Carson Carson Wentz has played better. He's still struggling. There's still mistakes. He's still doing things that are maddening. He's still holding on to the ball too long. He's still taking Mm -hmm. bad sacks. And he's still, you know, there is plenty of work. But I feel like he's playing better. I feel like, honestly, had they been able to pull out that tie against the Bengals, that would have done a lot to change the narrative. If that had been a win rather than a tie, you'd look better. But still an overtime win against a rookie quarterback and you have some real you have some real obvious deficiencies this year. Yeah. Definitely. You know? There's board there's been some borderline malpractice from the GM's office going into mm. this season. Mm. But let me ask you a question, JB. This is the question I wanted to ask you. Okay. What's up? Does it feel to you like Carson Wentz can sometimes get tunnel vision and get too locked on to one receiver? Yes. Definitely. Right. And and, and what what's crazy about it is it's not just the it's not just the tunnel vision, but it's like once you get that tunnel once you get that tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And now he's he proved in this last game that previous tunnel vision goes out the window once you've changed. He's that kid with the shiny new toy. Mm-hmm. He's it's like honestly on Sunday, Zach Ertz looked like your old toys on Christmas. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Like, where were Ertz's targets? That like, uh, where uh, were anyone? Where were Greg Ward's targets? I felt where like, were any? Yeah, I felt like honestly, and, and it, it's crazy. I, I'm not a film guy, you know. And I, I shout out to all those the, the former players and the analysts and the people that can watch the all 22 tape and break it all down and give you all types of, you know, you know, analysis and break down this and that. But it was like. Mm-hmm. There were, there were a couple – I feel like when I can watch a game and when I can point out problems, when I can point out issues, that's when it is clearly obvious. And there were, like, two times on Sunday when I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, why does nobody see this? Number one was 
I think it was that last pat when the Eagles were forced to go for it on fourth down. Carson mm-hmm. Wentz had Miles Sanders wide open in the flat. Mm-hmm. To, Went to uh, Fogel. Yeah, he went to Fulgham. He threw the Fulgham and it was broken up. And it was exactly. But you on that play, you had Miles Sanders wide open in the flat. Mm -hmm. He could have reads the field properly. That you could probably get that first down. Exactly. That that's that's exactly the type of situation Mm -hmm. that makes me ask you the question: Did it seem like he had tunnel vision? Yeah. It just went from being. Ertz to now it's Fulgham. now it's Fulgham, and it's like it's crazy that you know you you go with Fulgham and and you you go with Fulgham and you completely forget about Ertz, who at one point in time was that was your Fulgham. There was once a time yeah. when we're having this exact same conversation about Zach Ertz. Like, good. Because people, you can say, well, Ertz is double team. Ertz was double team before, and he throw to him anyway. Didn't matter who was on him. If he could see, if he could see Ertz's hands, he felt that Ertz was open. And now it's like he completely exactly. forgot about Ertz. He forgot about you know. I I I definitely think that. Now I w- I said there were two examples of things that 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 kind of stood out to me. One, I felt like the entire world, and. The entire world saw Nate Gary lined up against uh, Claypool on that last touchdown. And for those watching, you know, for those watching us stream this show, Mike Jones has his head in his hands. He's sitting there with his head in his hands, and he looks like he's near tears. You don't even like okay. Rodney McLeod post game says, "Yeah, Ben called the audible mm-hmm. because he's he was able to see where we were in, so he adjusted." In the in the post game, like Doug Peterson doing media, actually it was today doing media. Doug Peterson says, "Well, yeah, it was more of just a great job by them. They were able to get out there and see what we were in, and." They adjusted. No, what you were in, anybody who knows a little bit about football is able to read that post route coming Mm -hmm. and know that Nate Gary can't guard this dude. Clifford had already had three touchdowns should have been four touchdowns because the one that was taken away on offensive PI wasn't really offensive PI, mm. but they have been called a cut. They called a couple questionable PIs in that game anyway. So we'll call that a wash, but it was whether Rodney McLeod, who says they audibled, that means you saw, you realized that they were audible. You realized what was going on, and you should have helped being the deep safety. Whether it's Jim Schwartz for putting that defense out there in the first place, mm-hmm. or whether you want to blame Howie Roseman for having Nate Gary on the roster as your best linebacker. Blame who you want. There's enough blame to go around. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's no reason 
for Nate Gary, who struggles in coverage against tight ends, to be covering a wide receiver who's torched this defense all day long. Not in that situation, not with what was on the line on the line. We as fans, I feel like it's low-hanging fruit to complain about who's calling the games. Because I feel like as fans, you just feel like whoever's calling the game, whether it be for NBC, whether it be for Fox, whether it be for ESPN, whether it be for CBS, every fan here feels like at this point now, every announcer is terrible. (laughs) You know, we all hate Chris Collinsworth. We all hate, you know, we all hate Chris Collinsworth. We all hate Joe Buck. We all hate, you know, every, you know, we hate everybody. And Jonathan Vilman was taking a beating all day long for his analysis during the game. He, you know, if you were on Twitter mm-hmm. during the game, you knew that Jonathan Vilman was just catch, you know, was just catching it from all angles. <laughs> Even he saw Nate Gary on Claypool and was like, "Oh my God, what are they doing?" Like. Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger has to be a special brand of idiot if he does not see that Nate Gary is on Claypool and they're not switching. We all yeah, saw it. That's easy pitch and catch for a future Hall of Fame quarterback. If I may, if I may invoke the spirit of Shaquille O'Neal, that's barbecue chicken. That was a you know. That would that if that was a piece you give your dad. That's the big piece of chicken right there. That's the big piece of chicken. When you look at what happened, they were the the defense was able to force a turnover on the last possession, but they couldn't get any points from it. It looked like they had forced another turnover on a fun, what looked like a fumble that was ruled an interception that in turn was then called an incomplete pass. So once again, you know, Pittsburgh was given another like, you know, was was given, you know, they, they were given another life. And then you sit there and you put that on it and you got Nate Gary on Claypool and it's just like, bruh, I can't. If I see this, and I'm talking about myself, me personally, I see it. People were tweeting about it. There was enough time for people to tweet about it. There was enough time for the color commentator to call, the, to call it out. You got Nate Gary on Claypool. This can't be happening. And then they throw it to Claypool, and what does he do? He takes it to the house. I feel like this is a problem that I've, I, I feel like this is a problem that almost dates back to Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. Whereas like he believed, like I felt like Andy believed in his players to a fault. No matter how much we, the fans, we, the you know, the people watching the game, the fans, the analysts, whoever might believe, hey, yo, this guy doesn't play. This, this guy can't play. Whether it was Andy or now it's Doug saying, "Hey, you know what? I believe in this guy." Whether it's Andy, now it's Doug, and to an extension of Doug, uh, Jim Schwartz. 
saying, you know what, I believe in this guy. Hey, I know that Nate Gary is on Claypool. You know, he should be able to handle it. What? You know, it. it, it I just, you put your head in your hands. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Man, I'm thinking. <laughs> I know you are. I'm thinking things I can't say on our show. Check the private chat. But yeah, I'm thinking things that I can't say on our show. While I think of Nate Gary in coverage. On Chase Claypool, like at no point in any football game ever should Nate Gary be guarding a wide receiver. Oh. Period. Shouldn't happen. Especially a wide receiver that's burned you not... for three touchdowns already in this game. Exactly. And no what I want to think about this game or what the defense did or did not do this game. And they they did give up a lot that probably shouldn't have happened, but that that play in particular will continue to stick out because it illustrated a a lack of ability on the field. It demonstrated a lack of awareness by the coaching staff, and it demonstrated the the shortcomings of the the front office all encapsulated in that one play that situation the fact that the de- the coaches feel like they have to do this in the ga- game winning situation or the players just got beat that however you want to put it you can you get it all from that one play you know so my my heart hurts thinking about that game you said your heart hurts Yes, thinking about that game. I went into the game thinking the Eagles were going to get blown out. And early in the game, it was down seven, then Miles has the big run, and you tie it. And you start to think, okay, maybe this can be a game. Carson, he... He had the one bad interception early. Yeah. But he played a decent game other than that. The late interception, I don't hold against him with a Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. So. And it, it's funny. the first, You talk about the interception. The first interception, you know. That one you, was bad. It, it, was, it was bad, but there's an argument that – there's an argument to be made that there's blame to put on Zach Ertz. Not fighting for the ball. Yes, he got bumped off the route, but it was still a bad pass. And there's yeah, a good chance that that exactly. might have been. There, were, there's a chance that that probably would have gotten intercepted anyway. But still, there, there's an argument to be made that Zach Ertz deserves some blame on that play as well. Partial blame. Partial blame. But what have I? I've been talking about this mm-hmm. since the season started, where I feel like all I've been watching when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles is organizational failure. Someone asked, who who is Nathan Gary? And I'm like, at this point, Nathan Gary 
is the second best player you drafted in 2017. That's who Nathan Gary is. The second best player you drafted. You have Derek <laughs> Barnett, who who Derek and Derek Barnett is proving that you know what he played a he played a decent game yesterday. He played a decent game. Yes, I did not great, but decent. Decent He's, game. I I I will tell you this. I, as this season goes on, I feel more confident in Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat being your starting defensive ends. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know when they are. I I I and I love BG. I love Brandon Graham. Would love to see him finish his career in Philly, but we know the reality. Can't afford it. Yeah, you can't afford it. We know the reality of it. We know this is a business. I mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to the day that the Eagles move on from Brandon Graham. However, you know that that day is sooner than later. Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett have shown me at least a comfort saying, hey, you know what? They've shown me enough that I'm I'm cool with them moving forward. When it comes time to move forward. Here's my thing. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Like, in in general, the Eagles' defensive line is really good. The thing is, they don't get any help. Watching that Eagles game yesterday, you listening to the commentators you, when the Eagles were on offense, mm-hmm. there were multiple times where Carson was taken down, and you heard the guys calling the game refer to it as a coverage set. Yeah, where the, the quarterback had time in the pocket, but no one came open, so mm-hmm. he just had to hold it or get rid of it. The Eagles don't get coverage sacks. The back end doesn't never helps out the mm-hmm. front end. Okay. They're always depending on the front end to help out the back end. At this point, I'm thinking more complementary defense where the front end of your defense and the back end of your defense have to help each other out, mm-hmm. where sometimes the coverage may have to hold up for an extra second or two to let the pressure get there and not always depend on the pass rush getting there in 2.5 seconds or less. Mm-hmm to make the secondary job easier because they don't hold up their end outside of one guy. And it, it, it it's going it makes things for a long season. You know, all, all of this it all of this equals and comes into it means a long season for the Eagles. They had a chance to win. Coming out of Pittsburgh with a win would have been good because right now on the schedule is the Baltimore Ravens. They had a minor hiccup earlier this season, but still they're looking like they could be the juggernaut. I mean, they lost to the Chiefs. Yeah. That, you know, if you want to call a loss to the Super Bowl champions a hiccup. Yeah, you lost to the Chiefs. All right, so look, we have a guest. Let's talk about these Baltimore Ravens. You want to try and bring them in right now? Let's do it. Let's bring in from the Baltimore Sun. Let's bring in a guy who watches a lot of Ravens football, straight out of Baltimore, Maryland, a good friend of this show, Mr. Kyle Andrews. What's good, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, just, you know, kind of taking in the season, seeing what's going on with the with the Ravens. I mean, it's been an interesting year. I mean, it's funny because a lot of fans have been just not as excited this year. I don't. It's odd. It's like you got five and one team, 
They look great. They were they I mean this team is honestly I would say when when record I mean the record wise, I mean they've been better than they were at this point last year. So it's just really funny to see fans be a little bit disappointed by the way I guess the offense has been playing. Mm. Well, you know, fans love the the big numbers. When you put up 50 points on somebody and then you know, they're waiting for, I think they're waiting for that type of game from from Lamar and the, the Ravens this year where they just have that real explosion where they look unstoppable because from the outside looking in it seems like at least the story is starting to become that certain teams have you know can't like the Chiefs for example have Lamar Jackson kryptonite and do you get the feeling that it will take beating the Chiefs to get that real excitement back well, so here, here's my issue with, uh, I guess, the the quote-unquote that the Chiefs have the, you know, Lamar Jackson's kryptonite. I think the issue mm-hmm. is that the play calling gets stagnant against the Chiefs. I mean, it's happened two years in a row. Um, I think that they just stopped doing what they do best. Ravens are a running team. They've been a running team since I've been a child. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, th- mm-hmm. this team is built on a rushing attack and strong defense. And the thing is, the defense Smash showed up last week. Football. The rushing attack showed up last week. And what would happen? And, you know, and my thing is, like, Lamar Jackson, I think he needs to stop pressing as much. I know it's easy for me to say as just a spectator because I know he has high expectations for himself. And the guy busts his butt on a regular basis, but I think one thing that I noticed last year that he's not doing this year is that usually when there's an opening to take a run, in, uh, a run I mean, he's not taking mm-hmm. it this year. He's staying in the pot, and I don't know that he's trying to prove him or the team is trying to tell him, hey, look, Lamar, just stay in the pocket. We don't want you to run as much. But what people don't realize is that when quarterbacks stay in the pocket, they actually have a higher chance of injury. I wish I could find the statistics to cite that. Um, but it's just, I mean, you know, when sometimes when he would run, he would open up throwing lanes for himself. So if somebody came up to his face, Lamar would change arm angles. He'd, find, he'd throw a little jump mm-hmm. pass. He'd put a little bit of touch on the pass, and then a guy would come open. I mean, he would be wide open. And I also think, too, you know, you lose a weapon with Hayden Hurst. I, I think that was one thing that not enough people mm. kind of harped on. I think Lamar was a was a guy that loved to throw to his tight ends. Um, and, you know, and his Greg Roman offense is known for throwing the tight ends. So I think when you took Hayden Hurst mm-hmm. out of the equation and now you have to rely on Patrick Ricard coming out of the backfield as a fullback, and really, he's just a 300-pound defensive tackle playing fullback and slash tight end. It's not the same as mm-hmm. having, you know, a guy like Hayden Hurst who's so fluid and is fast for a tight end. You know, he's a matchup problem, and now he's with Atlanta. And, you know, Atlanta's not doing well, but the Ravens, I feel like they, they could have used having Hayden Hurst for another year. I mean, yes, they got J.K. Dobbins, um, but – with that pick that they acquired from uh, for Hayden Hurst, but I still, you know, to me, I'm 
I was a little bit skeptical about that just because I think Lamar needs some more weapons. I think he he has mm-hmm. one he has two weapons that he knows for a fact he has a Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, the weapons aren't, you know, very it's not, not anyone that's proved yeah, exactly. No one's really proven themselves yet. Real quick, you talked about Atlanta a minute ago. I was about to say, don't don't get Jonesy started on Atlanta. We it, it, it that that's that's a foxhole you don't even want to go down right now. You you don't want to get Jonesy started on Atlanta. I mean, there's nothing to say about them anymore. They're just bad. Mm-hmm. They, I, I can't even call them frauds anymore because when I called them frauds, they at least were good enough to make people believe <laughs> and fall apart. Now they're just losing games. So, but. Anyway, let's get back on topic for a second. So, Kyle, Ravens and Eagles are coming up in week six. Um, The Eagles have been struggling to say it kindly this year. You're being real kind right now. They're, they're You're being real, real, real kind. Weak, their, their defense has a, a real weakness at the linebacker position, mm. which I think – a quarterback like Lamar Jackson who likes to go to the tight end can really have a field day with this Eagles defense. What are you seeing happening in week six with that matchup? Okay. So I'll give the Eagles a little bit of credit. Um, I think the fact that they, they put up that many points against the Steelers defense, which is one of the best defenses in the NFL. I mean, the fact that they fought like that, you know, you can't sleep on the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I think the Ravens, you know, they've historically been really good against the Eagles. Um, goes all the mm-hmm. way back to those, uh, like the, the Kevin Cobb days when Kevin Cobb threw that pick <laughs> for a 108-yard return. I was actually at that game um, with Ed Reed. Uh, but, you know, some of the things that I, I see from the Eagles is that, you know, Carson Wentz had to do with no receivers last week. I mean, who did he really have? You know, and and the fact that he was able to do that against that defense, that's a little bit concerning. You know, I understand that the Ravens have better cornerbacks, I would say. And, you know, but I I still think that safety position is something that, you know, they could exploit, I guess, on the Mm -hmm. the offensive side of the ball. I think Chuck Clark's a great, I mean, he, he, he does exactly what you need him to do as a free safety, but I think also, you know, sometimes Deshaun Elliott flies too quickly. You know, he makes he makes a couple decisions mm-hmm. where you're like, all right, he's cheating up a little bit. I think Carson Wentz could expose that. Um, but on the flip side of things, I think the Ravens, you know, offensively, I, I think that they could drill them, you know, and it, it all mm-hmm. depends on play action. I think if you start having people cheat up, you know, Ravens could exploit that line, those linebackers that the Eagles have, and I think it's, um, you know, I think that that's where it'll come down to. I think that it'll be a off, it'll be a higher scoring game. I don't think it'll be a high, the highest scoring game, but I think it'll be, you know, in the high twenties, early thirties, um, for each okay. team, kind of similar to what happened last week, um, but. You know, I think I think they'll give them a better fight than uh, the Washington football team did. Let's get back into let's talk more about what the Ravens are doing. What the you know, given how they ended last season, you know, it was a disappointing loss. You know, they lost 
and their season ended a little bit sooner, not even a little bit sooner, a lot sooner than they thought it would. Now, given the expectations, you know, where where is the confidence level? Because you come into a season now and your only loss is against the the defending Super Bowl champions. Do you still feel like, and do the fans still feel like the Ravens are there? The Ravens are one of the best teams in the AFC. Do they still feel like that, or, or is there is there doubt creeping in? Well, I think I think people still think they're one of the best teams in the AFC, but do they think they're as good as they were last year? No, not necessarily. Real okay. Um, I think that the defense That's interesting. has the defense looks better mm-hmm. at times. I think sometimes the defense has some brain farts, um, <laughs> to say the least, uh, in certain respects. I mean, sometimes you'll get Matthew Judon, who is a very talented player, extremely talented, but he makes some decisions along the same lines as Deshaun Elliott. Um, Deshaun Elliott at least has an excuse because he's young. <laughs> Matthew Judon's been there for about five years now. I mean, this is, well, this is his fifth year, and, you know, he's still making some of the same mistakes with late hits at, by the quarterback or, you know, jumping offside sometimes. And I, I just think, like, you know, those kind of mistakes can't be made, especially going up against teams like the Chiefs or going up against teams like the Steelers. Or, you know, even playing against the Eagles or playing against the Bengals or playing playing against the Browns or any of those other teams. I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. If you continue to make mistakes like that, you'll leave points on the board. You'll you'll put the other team um, in a position to put more points on the board. I, I just think that the Ravens need to clean up those penalties. Um, you know, they're kind of looking at certain points. They're kind of looking at uh, – they're looking like some of those uh, Raiders teams from about, you know, eight years ago with uh, what was it ten? It might have been about ten years ago or so with Tom Cable as <laughs> as the head coach, mm-hmm. where they just you know every chance. It's the they most had, penalized team in the league. Exactly. Totally undisciplined. Every exactly week without fail. Did. Right. It was it was either them or some of those uh, Bengals teams with uh, Burfict and all those guys. So I mean, it just like. <laughs> Sometimes I look at the Ravens, and it's not—it's not malicious intent on any of the penalties that they had. It's not like they're going after people headhunting and stuff. It's just like just boneheaded plays sometimes, or just not, or just being too mm-hmm. eager. You know, it's not—it's not. Oh, I'm trying to kill this guy on the field. Like they're not trying to do that. They're just, you know, too eager and uh, too jumpy. So I think if they can mm-hmm. cut down on those things on defense. And then on offense, just stick to the game plan. Just run the ball. I mean, Gus Edwards averages about five yards a carry. Give him the rock, you know. I mean, they give they give mm-hmm. Mark Ingram a lot of carries. You know, Lamar get his carries. Um, you know, J.K. Dobbins only got one carry last week. Like, if you want to win, on the rock. So, with all that being said. You know, not going to take a whole lot of your time tonight. We're going to get ready to get out of here soon. But I have to ask you, how do you see, what do you see for Sunday night? Prediction, you picking Ravens to win this game? Think it'll be close? Think it'll be a blowout? How do you see this one playing out? And you know what he's going to say. I think it'll be a close game. Really? Um, I mean, I, of course. Well, yeah, I think it'll be a close game. I, mean, I think the Eagles showed me last week that you can't sleep on them. Mm. And um, 
You know, I think Carson Wentz is playing with a chip on his shoulder right now on the side of Texas. So I think it'll be a close game. I don't think they'll win. I don't think the Eagles will win, but I think it'll be, you know, I, I would say about, I'll give you 31 to about 27 Ravens. Mm, that's Okay. You see, you've got it closer than I do. I've got, hey. I'm looking at maybe 38 to 17 Ravens. Hey. Yeah, he, I'm, he he's I'm got you all putting up some more points. Yeah, he's got the Eagles scoring twenty seven points on that Ravens defense. I, I I I don't know where them points is coming from. I, I I'm 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 not quite sure. Miles, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you right now. It'll be Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders last week, the way he ran the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just like I'm if if I'm the Ravens. Ravens defense. I mean, especially when you have two rookie lines, a little bit concerned with that. You know, and I think that defensive front, yes, you do have Calais Campbell. Yes, you do have Derek Wolf. Yes, you do have uh, Brandon Williams. But at the same time, you know, as we all know, you start running to the outside, and then what happens? You have no guys that can contain those guys. So if they mm-hmm. start going on a stretch plays, we go off tackle. Um, I, I think that'll be a little bit – that might hurt the Ravens, especially if they ran toward Marcus Peters, who can't tackle to save his life. Great, great defender in terms mm-hmm. of pass coverage. But when it comes to tackling, I mean, he did – I will give him his credit. Last week he did pop, punch a ball loose. But at the same time, he still has had some issues with tackling. So I think that's something that, of course, Doug Peterson is probably looking to exploit immediately. Probably looking to also load up and hook guys uh, as well on some of those blocks, and then have some guys pull to the outside, so that um, you know, I think counters are going to be a gigantic play um, for that uh, for that Eagles offense. I think that you know if they could exploit that, then it might be some problems. We don't know. I think yardage wise, I think the Ravens will give up a lot of yards. Maybe they won't let as many points up on the board as they let. Um, in in previous games, but um, you know, well, I think we'll see, we'll see for sure. Okay, definitely, definitely. All right, well, look, man, we definitely we got to get you back on this show. We gotta get get you back on this show, talk more football, and we we probably will because we I think we all think the Ravens will go far this season. I think the you know when when it's all said and done, the Ravens are gonna be there. You know. When we're talking about the second mm-hmm. and third, you know, the second and the third, maybe even the fourth week of the of the playoffs, you know, we're talking about past the wild card, past the divisional round. We believe that the Ravens are going to be there, so we're definitely going to talk to you again, Kyle. We appreciate you coming on the show, though. Oh yeah, no, no problem. I appreciate you all having me on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Kyle yeah. Andrews. Andrews from the Baltimore Sun, my man from, at the Baltimore Sun, putting in work. Putting in work. I appreciate that, man. Thank you, brother. All right. Hey, look, man. It's time to get out of here, dude. We've been talking. It's time to go. Yeah, it's time to go. Hey, just a reminder, you can download this podcast wherever you get your podcast. SoundCloud, Apple, Google, Anchor, uh, iHeartRadio. Just search Best in the World Sports. If you have an idea, if you have a, a thought, uh, complaint, whatever you want, 
Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at VITW Sports and at Jonesy and Brown. Jonesy and Brown. Hey, you guys, enjoy the sports this weekend. Look, man, basketball is over, so shout out to the Lakers. Once again, grace and peace, and, and, and God bless the memory of Joe Morgan. And look, you guys, you have a great weekend. Jonesy, any final thoughts? Uh, man, I just want to say thanks again to our guests for tonight's show. Power Pack Show. A- when was the last time we had a- two guests a- on this uh, show? It's been a little while. It's been a little while since we doubled up on the guests. So this was a fun time. Get well soon, Dak. All right. You know, rest in peace, Joe Morgan. I still hate the Cowboys. Still, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I think that for, covers Yeah, it. we're praying for Dak Prescott. Still, you know, praying for the demise of the Dallas Cowboys in football terms. You know. But nonetheless, hey, you guys, enjoy the sports. We will check you out next weekend on Jonesy and Brown. I am John Brown. That's Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. We will see you guys. Peace, y'all. We'll see you guys next week. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown with Mike Jones and John Brown. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network 